0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com, and that includes a new article we've posted that goes deep into the details with just about everything you need to know if you are planning a trip to Gunnison and Crested Butte. Now, we get a lot of people asking us questions about, how best to get to Crested Butte, or where to stay, etc. And this new guide we've assembled will answer a lot of those questions. There are also links where you can find current flight information into the Gunnison Airport, and there are now quite a few more flight options than ever before. So we've included a link to this Getting Here guide in the show notes of this episode, so check it out, and then... Come check out this place. Okay, today we have Grayson Murphy back on Off the Couch, and we wanted to have Grayson back on because, well, she's been on quite a tear in 2021, and we wanted to catch up with her. Furthermore, the first time we had Grayson on was at the very beginning of 2020. That is Off the Couch episode number 24. We'll include a link to it in the show notes of this episode as well. And if you'd like to learn more about Grayson's background, you should definitely check out that episode. But now, let's go ahead and hear what Grayson has been doing recently and what she's been thinking about when it comes to running and training and a whole lot more. And so, here we go. Well, Grayson, welcome back to the Off the Couch podcast. It's been a minute. Good to have you back on.
1: Thank you for having me again. I'm glad for coming back for part two.
0: For part two. I'm so mad that I didn't hit the record button like 10 minutes ago because we've (laughs) already covered just an amazing array of topics here. I might try to recruit you as my life coach. That's one thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh Let's see. We've talked about love languages. Yep. You told me (laughs) I should take a test. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And then the, the other thing that was fantastic we were doing a sound check and I asked if you ate any food today and you kind of lit up and said yes quite a lot <laughs> and you just got so happy talking about first breakfast and second breakfast this is a, I didn't know that was a thing
1: You didn't you don't have first and second breakfast No No way you're missing out on life yeah
0: Is this <laughs> is this been a long standing practice of yours
1: Yep Yeah, (laughs) I have to have something before I run and then something after I run, but I'm still usually in the mood for breakfast after I run because it's morning time, so I have to have both. Uh,
0: This wouldn't normally just be called like brunch? Isn't that what normal people call quote unquote second breakfast?
1: I guess so. It feels like maybe I think of it as second breakfast because that feels like the start of my day for real Ah. after the run is done. I'm like starting normal life things.
0: Okay, so yeah. first breakfast is kind of more just like it. That's just fuel, running fuel.
1: Yeah, yeah. Usually it's pretty small, like banana. I'll eat more if I'm doing a longer run, but for the most part, it's something just small to get through the run.
0: We're gonna talk about cinnamon rolls in a second, but before we do, okay. <laughs> so like what what's the what's the current routine of yours? Like, are you're roughly going to bed around when? Or are you like, not roughly, like, I'm, it's exactly. And then, and then (laughs) when are you getting up?
1: Let's see. I go to bed probably around 10, plus or minus a little. Um, (laughs) Like,
0: plus or minus two minutes or like 30 minutes?
1: Yeah, like 30, I'd say. Yeah, when Logan, my boyfriend, is here, we go to bed a lot earlier because he is a stickler on bedtime. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm forced to sleep more, which is a good thing for me. And then getting up, uh, I don't have like a set wake-up time, but I do run in the morning. So if I'm running with someone, it's usually between 7 and 9 probably that I'll start a run. So yeah, depends on the season too. In the summer... Have to get out early and in the winter i hate being cold so i wait as long as i can
0: yeah you're like okay it's 3 p.m this might be as yep. warm <laughs> of a point in the day yeah 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 <laughs> tell me about today's run
1: so today i ran with uh some friends and we they call it they made it it's called the cinnamon roll loop And it's a really fun loop that we have um, that's mostly trail, but has some road in it. And afterwards, everyone goes to the cinnamon roll place down the street from where the run starts. And they clear out, they buy all the cinnamon rolls. And the poor woman uh, knows now to make extra on like Thursday and Friday because they'll come and buy. We were, there's probably nine of us today, eight of us. And the boys will buy like the entire pan of cinnamon rolls
0: (laughs) okay so So it's specifically a cinnamon roll store or just a bakery that happens to have a tray of cinnamon rolls
1: they they do kind of breakfast slash brunch but they bake cinnamon rolls is kind of what they're known for and they're a dollar so that's why they buy all of them because they can get the whole pan for twelve dollars
0: this is amazing um, <laughs> when you first mentioned this, I was like, are we talking like, what was the, there's like the cinnamon roll chains that would be in like strip malls. Like that's what kind of mm-hmm. comes to mind. I, uh, are these like weird kind of gross cinnamon rolls or is this like legit cinnamon rolls?
1: I think they're, so I've never had one cause I am gluten free. Uh-huh. So I watch them eat them. They look decent, but not. They're American for sure. Like they don't look like the perfect ones you see in Europe. They definitely look American, <laughs> but big, <laughs> like pretty big.
0: <laughs> I like that this is just American now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so oversized with a bunch of frosting, like a ri- yeah. ridiculous amount of like...
1: Lots of frosting. <laughs> okay.
0: This, this all checks out. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so you are currently back in Salt Lake City and yep. where we've talked about you sometimes return to
1: uh-huh. <laughs> um and
0: so currently are you did you just get back have you been there for a bit how long are you in town
1: i've been back almost a month now i got back from europe about a month ago um and then i'll be here now uh until about thanksgiving and i'll, I'll have some races too but i'll be coming back to salt lake after the races
0: races before Thanksgiving?
1: One before and one after, oh. yeah.
0: Okay. Well, before we talk about that, yes, we should probably talk about Europe a bit. Okay. You know, the last couple years, I don't know if you've heard, there was this COVID thing. We've had some issues going on in the world. and But you've kind of been on this European tear. And I just thought, what a cool time to be able to reconnect and catch up with you and talk a bit about some of this and perhaps in particular, because the last time that we recorded an off-the-couch conversation, we published this on January 14th, 2020. It's coming up on two years ago. And that was a really fun conversation because a lot of this was you sort of exploring this new world, right? And um, I really enjoyed kind of getting your perspective on that. And it's like, you're, we're kind of figuring this landscape out. And it's like, seems like you've kind of been figuring out the landscape.
1: Yeah, I, I'm still figuring it out. It's still a process, but I've learned a lot in the last year and however long it's been. So, yeah.
0: Let me just have you take us through a bit. I mean, some of the different races and, and maybe you can, I don't know, you can either go from most recent and work backward or or start kind of chronologically, but walk us through this a bit.
1: I so I didn't really race in 2020 like most people so that was interesting and definitely I think we all had gained a new perspective on racing during that time I know I did so going into 2021 I just was kind of interested in getting doing all the things that I kind of wanted to do in 2020 I didn't have a chance to um, with the exception of track I had not wanted to do that at all in 2020 and then in 2021 basically in January I decided like why not it's an Olympic year so I'll I'll go for it um so that was pretty fun and I'm glad I did that and I would like to continue on the track as well so moving forward I'll still be doing that and um yeah PR'd a lot on the track uh trials I was sixth and missed the Olympic team by seven seconds so that was um both heartbreaking but also a great experience and uh i think gave me more confidence moving forward and then it was pretty quick transition from that i did one road race and then kind of started getting on the trails and did a Cirque series um those are great by the way if anyone hasn't had a chance they're still just so fun such a party and julian does a great job um So if anyone wants to get into mountain running, I would definitely suggest that race series as like a toe in the water. And yeah, so I did that and then did U.S. Mountain Running Championships, uh, won that again. So that was fun to defend the title. And me and Joe are, I think, like four for four now together on winning when we both race um, for title. So that's been pretty fun. And um, yeah, then I went to Europe for a month, and that was a long time coming. I kind of knew I needed, people are always like, oh, we haven't done real trail running until you've gone to Europe, and there was just kind of some pressure. I felt that um, to prove myself, I needed to do real European trail races, whatever that meant. So I decided, well, now's as good a time as ever. I'm just going to hop in and. See what happens and do some of these World Cup races, and yeah, it would end up being a great experience. Um, I'd never been in Europe really before, so aside from racing, it was cool to experience all those cultures and languages. And um, the mountains were gorgeous. Uh, trail racing is not much different there. I don't know what all the hype huh. was about.
0: <laughs> okay, so you're yeah. here. You're here to disabuse <laughs> yeah. us. Of yeah. This. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, it really was.
0: <laughs> well, well, tell me. Okay, so talk a little bit. What is the the biggest generalization you hear about? Oh, till you've run and won in Europe, the claim is what exactly?
1: Oh, I've heard that at least from a women's perspective, because that's really the feedback I get is that um they're really good at downhills. Like you'll never be as good at them. At, the Europeans are crazy at downhills. I've heard that a lot. Um, I've heard, like, the trails are so much different than the ones we have in the U.S. And they're way more technical. Um, but, again, that's from people who I'm like, have you done a Cirque series? Like, have you run in Utah? Like, or Montana, for that matter? I d- don't know how much technical more it could get. I will say, though, that they definitely know and respect mountain running more than the Americans do, because I think Americans, they see trail running and automatically associate it with ultra running, and they don't even know that mountain running exists, or that you can run not an ultra mountain race, so that was pretty cool, because the Italians are crazy about mountain running, they think it's the coolest thing, so having like that recognition and the fans, that was different, so that was cool. but
0: That's a great point. And it's sometimes funny and seemingly arbitrary how certain things become more of a thing, you know, in Europe than they are here, or vice versa. And do you have, like, why is that? I mean, why? It almost seems like some sort of branding or marketing thing, or something. Or, I mean, I mean, this happens in many, many different walks. Um, I think of of life, but. I think you are right. Like, Oh, in the U S. Oh, you're running on a trail. We automatically move to the ultra scene. Yeah. So what do you wonder, do you know that history or why that seems to be such a thing?
1: My experience has been that there just aren't many mountain races in the U S for people to do. So aside from the Cirque series, there's really not like a, a true mountain running series or, races. So unless you've like heard of Cirque series, um and Narnar, I guess, but I would hesitate to even call that a mountain race. Sorry, Narnar. But it wasn't very technical. So the mountain races in Europe, like you should expect it, to be pretty technical and pretty steep. And there just aren't a ton of races in the US like that. That aren't under an ultra distance.
0: The more you talk about this, the stranger that seems I mean, on the one hand, cool Cirque series and like Julian, <laughs> like would love to see this just continue to blow up. I mean, it yeah. you know, but there seem to be so many races in the 50K and longer. Right. Why we're not seeing more of a proliferation of races, say, sub 26.2 miles.
1: Yeah. I would love that. (laughs) I would do it all. (laughs) Sign you up? Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: I got nothing here.
1: Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it might be like chicken before the egg, like do more people want to run ultras because they think that's all there is. So they'll sign up for the fifty K over the mountain race. I don't know. And we've built it up, I think, our culture oh, you ran an ultra or you're an ultra runner to say that. And same thing happens on the road with the marathon. Like I say, I'm a pro runner and people like, oh, so you run marathons as if that's the only distance that exists that matters.
0: We still got some work to do on these things. Yeah. Yeah. Changing, changing (laughs) percent. I mean, yeah, like that's constant. I think that's constant, Mm -hmm. but did we get there? Where are we in the, in the narrative?
1: So we finished the three races in Europe. I did three World Cup races in two weeks, and I won two and got second at one. That was really fun. I was pretty tired after, <laughs> admittedly. And then I finished Europe with one road race, a 10K on the road for Saucony. That was really fun, too. Um Then I've just been home. It took me a little bit to recover from all the races and travel, and so I'm just starting... I'm about three weeks into a base build now, um, working back towards hopefully World Championships in February. They got postponed. Uh, they were supposed to be in a couple weeks in November uh, in Thailand, so we'll see what happens. I'm not too optimistic about that.
0: About them taking place?
1: Yeah, in February. Um It's in Thailand and they were dealing with some COVID stuff. And I don't know that that will be fixed or okay enough by February for us to be able to travel as a team there.
0: How do you feel about, well, first this first delay, I mean, on the one hand, you just said like, I'm pretty tired. I've been racing a lot. Were you initially sort of happy to see things pushed back? You're like, oh, I get a bit more recovery time or like, or do you, do you try to, not focus in so much on that, like mentally, what is, how does your brain operate?
1: Well, so I, um, Thailand got postponed and then I did the Europe trip, at, because it got, postponed.
0: I'm sorry. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah.
1: So uh, if I had had Thailand, I wouldn't have done Europe. Got it. At least not that many. And
0: run, um, and run 43 races in Europe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was kind of my consolation was to get to do that instead So it was a good, good experience. Now I have more experience going into the next world championship, um, just with more knowledge and about the racers too. I got to race some women that I didn't have a chance to race two years ago in twenty nineteen when I won. So that was helpful, I think. Going now, I kind of know their tricks (laughs) a little. Their tricks. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I like it. How old are you now? Twenty six. Twenty six, and so okay, so. I'm bad at math, but if we talked January 14th, 2020,
1: 24, then? Yep. I like that yeah. you don't know either. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, I think, or 25. No, I would have been 24. Yeah.
0: I believe you. Okay. So talk a little bit about what you think some of the most significant things that happened that you were doing different, that you learned you know, let's say in the last two years, I mean, I suppose part of this is just, you keep doing some of the same stuff and you gain a bit more experience, but I trust you would say, correct me if I'm wrong. I trust you would say that you are a better runner today than you were Definitely. two years ago. So, so talk a little bit about what you learned and what's happened with you.
1: I guess I've just learned more about myself as a runner. And when I first, when I talked to you in 2020, Um, At that point, I would have been running for just over four years as a runner and training. So now I've been training for six and a half going on seven years. So it's just, I think, by virtue of experience too and progression, the learning curve of both training, I've accumulated a lot more lifetime miles now and um, just been able to build everything basically and then yeah learning like what i do and don't like has been important and what i'm i learned some things that i didn't think i was good at that i think i'm actually good at and vice versa so that was interesting too to kind of hit on those
0: tell me more
1: uh well so this during track in college when i ran track i was never the fastest foot speed um, and I never had a kick at the end of races and my coach who's still my coach now, um, he was like, oh, you're just, you're really like strengthy. And I think a lot of coaches have picked up on that. Like I, I excel at like strength, um, threshold workouts that are like an hour or longer. Um, so kind of in that like longer Area. I was never a standout like I'm going to win the 100 meter dash or like have the fastest 400 and I never really had a kick so I think we like really leaned into that in college and just did a lot of that like strength-based stuff but then this track season um, going into trials I started doing a lot more speed work and actually got pretty fast and then kicked my way to win a prelim at the olympic trials and was closing faster than i ever have before um so i think i learned like it's not that i wasn't good at speed i just hadn't done speed work really like actual true speed work um so that was kind of interesting too, kind of fun to learn like oh you're not not good at it you just need to work at it a bit
0: yep and yeah this is a funny one I think it was in a conversation I was having recently with Bodie Miller, the Mm -hmm. American ski racer. Yeah. And he was, I think, talking a bit about, you know, this, like, as an athlete, does one work on one's weaknesses or lean into your strengths? And Bodie was, I think, saying a bit more about forget the weaknesses you know, but but you're just told an interesting story about. Well, okay, but maybe if we haven't, <laughs> it might be worth not just writing oneself off in a given area if the time really, if 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 an, if that hasn't really been explored yet.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. Like, I now would consider myself fast, and I think. What I thought was my weakness has become one of my strengths. Not bad. Yeah.
0: Not bad. Yeah, it worked
1: out okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: um, that's pretty. That's pretty great. I want to go back to the Olympic trials for a second. Okay. So, talk a little bit about maybe what what the goals were coming into that because you said like it was disappointing, but. You feel like you also learned some stuff there. And I mean, it is kind of the cliche, but the whole, like, sometimes we can actually learn more when we don't quite get what we were aiming at. Talk a little bit about that experience.
1: Yeah, it was a journey (laughs) that whole season. I think the beginning of the season was, oh, I just, I think I can get the Olympic trials qualifying time, which Mm -hmm. was 950. That was slower than my PR from college. So I thought, what the hell, I'll just go try and do this for fun, basically. And to prove I'm not slow, um, just because I run trails. So it was a bit out of spite, um, admittedly, to some of the haters. And so, yeah, me and my coach started, but the first meet-out, I ran 9.37, which was significantly faster and only 7 seconds off the Olympic standard. And at that point, we were like, okay, we have to reassess now um, what we were trying to do and what we thought was possible. And so through that season, it just kind of kept being like, okay, I think we can run faster and faster still. And by the time I did a time trial by myself here in Salt Lake with my coach and ran very fast and I did not post about it or anything but that kind of gave us the confidence going into trials like I think I could have a shot at making this Um, so we're going to go for it so at the prelim um, I PR'd again and got the Olympic standard and so then that also shifted things too because I won the prelim and then I was like oh my god I, I really legitimately have a shot now At this point, like, I'm in the conversation, I think. So, yeah, it just, like, every meet kind of evolved. Oh, we have a new goal now Uh to where, yeah, the end was go try and make the Olympic team. And that was scary. It was fun, um, but also pretty scary to think about. So it was, yeah, like you said, a good experience, and I learned a lot.
0: Interesting, though, like, goals shifting on the on the heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've just talked about a whole number of different races. If I were to ask, what was the favorite experience? Answers to a question like this are subject to change, but in the moment, <laughs> what kind of comes to mind?
1: I think the World Cup races as a whole in Europe. Um They were fun. It was, I have so many photos. It was such an experience. Got to try so many new food items and um, new wine, (laughs) just new culture. And I think the races plus the people and just, I made friends in Italy and I made friends in Spain and that was really special and hopefully I get to see them again. So yeah, I would pick that experience, the World Cup.
0: Pretty good new wines yeah Uh say more what are you what are you into now
1: in italy and spain um they do aperitivo which is like an aperitif and that was cool (laughs) because we don't do that here in the u.s um so it was i always chose the red wine i have a couple on my phone that my italian friend Luana recommended and yeah it's just fun to like I like food. Like you can see me light up yes. when we talk about food <laughs> and drinks. So <laughs> I, yeah. Um, cuisine is a really fun like art thing for me to explore.
0: That's cool. Are you a cook?
1: Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. You would, you would <laughs> say so. like okay. to cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
0: fall in the, I love food. I am definitely not a cook. Oh. Yeah.
1: so My mom definitely rubbed off on me that way. She was a chef for a while and, um, makes the most amazing meals. We were pretty spoiled as kids getting like gourmet food at home. And then I'd go to a restaurant and be like, gross, my mom makes better food than this. Wow. Yeah. So she really like brought us up to appreciate different food and how it can be a cultural thing too.
0: So listening to talk about what you've been up to, I mean, it sounds like a pretty heavy race load. And so it seems like part of the secret to your success and any athlete success is I don't hear you talking about injuries coming in to kind of interrupt your training. Is that fair?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say so. That is kind of one of my maybe top priority is not getting injured. So,
0: okay. Well, it seems like that a lot of us would like to at least claim that's a priority. (laughs) How, I mean, and I gotta say, I mean, some of this has to just come down to dumb luck, but aside from luck, if, when you say it's a priority for you, what are you doing to do as much as you can to stay out of the injury zone?
1: I'm pretty, and my coach is too, I get it from him. Um, I would credit him with this kind of philosophy. His name is coach Kyle Kepler. (laughs) I call him Kepp. He was the University of Utah coach. He still is, and he's also coaching me. Um, He and I put a big emphasis on, like, caution over being too risky. So I think both of us would always choose the more cautious option than, like, pushing the envelope too much. And um, I know for me, he likes to kind of make the analogy, like, you're – you're like a Ferrari. We just have to keep you running and you'll do well when you show up, but I can't have you there broken cuz what good is a broken Ferrari? So as long as we maintain what you've got, um we'll be pretty good and so we're pretty liberal and I'm pretty liberal with off days. Um if I feel like something is wrong, I'll take an off day. Um I have no ego involved in like no off days and I I hate when people um, put that forward and like perpetrate that uh, idea, especially pro runners and they kind of set an example like oh I don't take off days, it's just not good for me, but then they end up hurt for months at a time and like well they're all your off days, you just had to take them in a row where I'm if i'm tired it doesn't even have to be hurting if i'm just like i'm too tired today i'm in a little bit of a hole i'll just call it and take the off day or a couple um till i'm feeling normal again and i think that has been the key to just being able to train through and have like every 16 times this year i think um and yeah I've taken lots of off days, and I think that's the only reason I've been able to do that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was literally a couple days ago talking with another runner, and we were talking about that it it strikes me, you know, I, I talk to a lot of professional skiers and mountain bikers and runners, and I was saying that the runners as a category tend to probably maybe have the most kind of type A personalities in the bunch. And we were talking about her coach, um, a very successful coach. And she was saying one of the biggest things that the her coach tries to sort of drive home is like, slow down, do less. And so I was kind of joking that like, it's sort of hilarious to have a very experienced coach who mostly needs to show up to tell you to do less, but it sounds like you are, don't struggle cuz i think a lot of runners do struggle with this. You agree with this?
1: I would, yeah, i would definitely agree. I always feel like the odd one out when this arises. Huh. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I don't it, it feels I, I guess i'm proving i'm not type A. I I don't know, but um or just a, or t- also a, <laughs> not an accomplished runner or something, but It just strikes me as like, I think as we probably, I I would argue, we understand the importance of recovery, say today than maybe ever before, Mm -hmm. or at least in, in modern history. And yet, if this is still a thing that high level elite runners are struggling with, what am I missing here?
1: You know, I ask myself the same question, um, a lot of the time, because I think, I think I was lucky to have kept in college as well. I ran very low mileage in college too, so I saw immediately in my very like formative running years um, that I can still be successful and not be running egregious amounts of miles every week and doing these like crazy workouts. And I was eighth at the cross country um championships my senior year and I was running like 50 miles a week um with an off day every week so I think that seeing that and that I can be successful against women who are running a lot more made me realize like more isn't always better and now I've kind of taken the stance of if I can run like right now I'm I'm building to 80-ish miles a week which is very high for me um If I can run 80 and be winning half marathons on the trail, like two hour plus long races on the trail, why would I run 100 if I can? It's just a lot more efficient with the miles that I'm doing. If I don't have to run that much, I'm not going to. So for me and him, it's kind of about getting the most out of as little as we can so that I can run for as long as I can.
0: Yeah. That seems right. Yeah. Huh don't don't tell anybody else
1: It might not, yeah, it might take longer, probably to pay off, but I think in the end, the payoff is better.
0: Say more about that. It might take longer to pay off.
1: Yeah, I think um, like I'm just now getting good, I guess, like to a level where I'm getting six at the Olympic trials. Um, So it maybe has taken me longer to work up to that point. But it's like a solid base. And I don't have these big swings of I ran and then had five months off for injury and then ran and then five months off. And maybe I'm not like winning the marathon tomorrow. But I think like that is in the cards later as long as I keep being consistent.
0: Building the base.
1: Yep. Playing the long game for sure.
0: Playing that long game. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So you mentioned marathons. I got to ask like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do it this way. Currently, what are the distances that you are most interested in? And since we're, you brought it up, not me talking about the long game. What do you imagine might be the distances that you could see yourself kind of gravitating toward?
1: Um, I think I like in general longer distances. I do better. Like I said earlier, I just feel more comfortable with that kind of speed um or lack thereof, I guess, pace and so I like longer stuff. I don't really want to be doing ultras in any time soon, I don't think. Not right now. <laughs> Um, later in life, I think, for sure. But I don't really have any interest in doing that now. And I definitely want to run a road marathon. So that is definitely something we're trying to figure out a timing for and when it would be the right placement for it. Yeah. did you? Not st- like steeple, which is a 3K. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're all over the map. Yeah, yeah. it's was like, did you skip... The answer to my question about distances you're most interested in right now
1: yeah i don't (laughs) people always ask me that what's your favorite distance i don't have an answer um i i think they're all in my head they're all different things and they're they all have their unique challenges and easy and hard parts so i think for me it's just like a different race like i can't really compare them what is the
0: shortest distance race could be steeplechase could be whatever but like what is the shortest you're interested in it doesn't sound like you want to go enter any 200 meter sprints right now
1: oh no i would not no chance i'm not a sprinter um i liked i did a road mile um this spring and i really liked that so that was fun okay so that was the first mile i've ever raced really that was also fun yeah
0: (laughs) how'd that go what was you what what was your time uh,
1: 435. It was the U.S. Um, Road Mile Championships in Des Moines. And I didn't know what to expect because so I've never run anything that short. So it was, I thought it was fun because it's over so quickly compared to my two hour long trail races. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Were there cinnamon rolls at the end?
1: There were not. No. I guess you only <laughs>
0: watch people eat cinnamon rolls. So that wouldn't have been. Yeah. Okay. That wouldn't really have been the. The, per- the proverbial carrot <laughs> yeah. at the end of it. The- okay. Okay, well you basically said sort of one mile <laughs> shortest and eventually <laughs> there. Yeah, and but yeah. but ultras eventually. So okay, that that's a pretty broad we got a pretty broad range here.
1: Yep. Okay.
0: <laughs> a question, I don't think I asked you the last time we talked. And given the name of this podcast, I have recently been like, how have I not been asking every one of our guests this when they, (laughs) when they come on, I'm not, yeah, I'm not always the sharpest, sharpest tool in the (laughs) box, but what is the most off the couch thing you've ever done? Now I'll, I'll let you, I'll buy you some time here while you think, Okay, there could potentially be a non-running answer to this. And then there could be sort of a running answer to this.
1: Running-wise, maybe I have... So in middle school, um, I've heard this is good for a middle schooler, but I don't actually know. But we had like the PE mile, and I ran like a six-minute mile. And so... But I was not... I didn't run. Um, I played soccer, and that was it, and I just had to run for PE. So I've heard that was good, but at the time didn't know I just and was you, racing my sister <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you did actually tell that yeah. story when we talked last it just hadn't been couched in the I, the, the question hadn't been put to you like this but yeah. but you had never like set out to run a mile before like not kicking around a soccer ball type of thing
1: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I'd never been on a run before I
0: you'd never I been on a run, for a run. I, no <laughs> all right so it um, might the most off the couch running experience of your life might still come back to the first mile you ran in middle school.
1: I would yeah, that or then maybe you could say the when I did my first trail race and got second. because um, I had never done any trail stuff before and just kinda hopped in and got second.
0: Which race I was, was
1: it? Um <laughs> the I was impressed with myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think I would do that well. Uh, that was Brighton Zurich Series in 2019.
0: Okay. That is not that long ago, come to think nope. of it. Yeah. yeah. like, wow. <laughs> Two
1: years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: not, not that long ago. Non-running answer to the question.
1: I don't know if I have one example, but, and my sister too, we're both like pretty athletic. So like pretty much any sport we can pick up pretty quick that's been fun like skiing um nordic skiing biking yeah stuff like that she's pretty good at she's better than i am she's more coordinated than i am which is like it's very impressive it's almost like frustrating how good she is at sports
0: (laughs) how good she is at sports (laughs) shout
1: out yeah good job
0: sis how's uh how's your skiing life these days
1: it's good um there's no snow right now but in the winter. It's fun. I can't keep up with the, the boyfriend on skis. Uh, he has to slow down for me. It's good training though. <laughs> good cross training.
0: Yeah. And tell me, are you, what different sort of disciplines of skiing are you doing? Are you? I just
1: do Nordic.
0: Just Nordic. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I did downhill growing up in Salt Lake. That's pretty much a, A requirement to live here. (laughs) Yeah, you have to ski. Um, But I always just got so cold sitting on the lift, and I I have too much energy for that um, to just go down. So the Nordic skiing's nice because I get to like move and work the whole time
0: and be warm.
1: Yeah, I much prefer that. (laughs) Yeah, for a
0: person who hates being cold, I don't know that your choice of living in you know between (laughs) Salt Lake and Bozeman (laughs) is exactly. I can think of a couple warmer areas, but you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If I could convince my whole family to move to the desert, that would be nice, but I don't think i that'd be a tall order.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I keep working on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me what's going on in the whole engineering. We haven't even talked about that yet. It sounds like that's yeah. maybe a bit on pause at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am um, getting my master's degree in sustainable natural resources. So, I'm not working. I haven't done engineering for almost a year now um, while I've been working on my degree.
0: And say more about the degree?
1: So, it's with Oregon State University and it's through their Forestry um, College of Forestry. And it's a kind of a mix of engineering um, and then more like climate and sustainability and management of natural resources and how kind of all of that intersects and so what I hope to do with it is kind of combine my engineering degree and that and look at like green space planning and green infrastructure design and how a park might be um, used for flood management but also has running trails and green space connectivity for like especially in places like Bozeman where the Yellowstone ecosystem is still so intact. You, It's nice and it's growing fast there. You want to make sure you leave like wildlife corridors and ways to make sure that ecosystems, we don't kill it while we have a chance because um, we've already killed a, a lot. So yeah, um, that's kind of where uh, my vision, why I, I wanted that degree.
0: Say the name of the program again.
1: Sustainable ma- Masters of Sustainable Natural Resources
0: masters of sustainable natural resources. Okay, but this does I mean, this does bring really elements of engineering into it or mm-hmm. wow, yeah, it sounds like quite a multidisciplinary something I would not be good at is what it mostly sounds yeah. like.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a people from all different backgrounds. Like there's engineers, but there's also a lot of environmental majors and I did like environmental engineering too as part of my undergrad. So um, I have like a little background in that. And then there's, there's like policy side too, but I usually choose the courses that are a little more design oriented and focused on yeah building and design.
0: Huh. Really interesting. And it, I mean, it sounds on point that if we can get better at thinking through how to design spaces in a way that will be have less impact or have the right kinds of impacts while minimizing the wrong kinds, um, that sure as hell seems timely and important.
1: Definitely, yeah. Pretty crucial right now.
0: Pretty crucial right now, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not sure if this is the last thing we need to talk about, but it's something I do want to ask you about, which is the whole training planner thing. Yes. Because I think the last time we talked you were completely out of these and weren't quite sure if and when the next batch would be around. But tell me, tell me what's going on with the, with the training planners.
1: Yeah. So I've sold out every year that I've made them. So if you want them, you got to get on it. Act uh, fast, they people. sold out. Yeah. By January, usually end of January. So this year, um, They'll go on sale. Spoiler alert. You're the first to hear. You heard to here first. Uh, November 1st. So like not too long. 18 days. or Yeah. No. Eight days. Wait. Yeah. Eight, <laughs> yeah. eight days. A week from Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. So they'll go on pre-sale. And it's just been such a fun learning experience. I did not major in business. So it's been fun to learn about that world and marketing and making a product and I partnered this year with um, a sports psychologist well she, psychologist she doesn't like to call a sports psychologist but I like her um, I talk with her she's my psychologist and uh, we did um, mental health journal prompts for every month because that's something that's pretty important to me that I've tried to be pretty outspoken about is mental health especially in athletics and um, So that's exciting. This year we'll have new ones and they will be on my website and I've hopefully made it cheaper for international shipping. Uh, So that was a big ask from last year and I'll have some extras that I can't say yet but some extra little um, accessories I guess you'd call them for the planners this year which I'm pretty excited to tell people about. (laughs)
0: <laughs> now, why can't you say more? Because then it's not a surprise. Or this is—are you still? Yeah. Let's. I'm. Um, let's they're see.
1: mostly done, I guess. So we'll have um, bookmarks that are like made to fit inside the plant. They like click on. Huh. So they're attached, um, but you can move it to like each week, and then we'll have sticker packs, which I'm excited about because they'll be customized to like. Some will say race day, some will say PR or rest day was an important one for me or off day, (laughs) Uh, especially because I like my off days. So um, yeah, it'll be fun to have those kind of additions. I've never had that before. So we're building up.
0: Building up. For somebody who's never used like a training planner, let me hear your pitch about like what, why you think... Well, not just why you think they're helpful. Obviously, a lot of people agree with you, which is why you sell out every year. Yeah. <laughs> so just talk a little bit about what it might do for someone.
1: Yeah, so I think well, in there, I call them training logs plus planner because there's space for your daily um, life stuff. Like I put this podcast on my appointment list and it's like a daily planner would be. And then there's space every day for your training because to me, that's, it's a dichotomy and I do both every day and I don't think like just running is more important or just the life stuff's more important. There, There's a balance of things. Um, so I like that and I think that's kind of what puts mine aside. And then there are habit trackers too, which for me has been something helpful where you can pick like a habit you would want to develop and then you can check off every day, like how close are you to doing this and I track my miles too, and from a strictly training perspective, I think it's really important to have like a physical copy of your training that's not just data from an app or your watch. Um, I think it it's nice to have the data, but it there's a lot more introspection that goes on when you're writing the training down and um, like how did you feel today? And what did you think about during this workout? What did you feel like after? Um, what were you tired? Did your throat hurt? like are you getting sick? It's just a lot more being present in your training as opposed to like it's on an app and then it's it's gone um, so it, I think too that's what has kept me injury free actually is being like very cognizant and um, direct I guess of what with what I'm doing and everything is purposeful and I'm not gonna just like do stuff without thinking about it in the context of like how I feel. And is this for the long game? Like, am I playing the long game right now or not? So yeah, I think it's a very like healthy, just way to stay present in your training and not go overboard and be really like cognizant of what you're doing.
0: You mentioned room to sort of put in or talk about or track a habit Say a bit more on that front. Are are we yes. talking pretty specific to training, or are we talking about like I'm trying to learn to play the saxophone?
1: Yeah, yeah. They're they're not listed. So the way it's laid out is just like a um, grid looking thing, kind of with lines. So you can put whatever you want on those lines, and then each box is a day, and then days are numbered on the bottom for each month. So I'm I've put um, no drive days. Uh, During the summer, I was trying to track how many days I wasn't driving and, like, try and force myself to drive less and be cognizant of, like, the trips I was making. Um, I've put, like, meatless days just to see out of curiosity how many days a month do I not eat meat. Um, I've heard people from feedback, they wanted to track, like, their water intake. Like, am I drinking X amount of water a day? Um... Yeah, so it doesn't have to be training. I like to put stuff on there too that doesn't necessarily have to be every day, but just so I have an idea of like how many days a month did I do it? So I have a big picture of the training again, which is I think big picture. It all goes back to like, do you do you actually know like how all of that accumulated? Are you aware of what you're doing?
0: Big picture in the long game. Yep. <laughs> you're like, yep working to keep them both keep them Someone both steady yeah. yeah yeah well hey this is really fun to connect again and to kind of just catch up and and hear what you've been up to for almost the last 2 years and and it's it's really cool to see the success you've been having and hear you talk a little bit about what you think have been some of the key ingredients uh to that yeah appreciate the time thank you i hope you managed to you know I don't know, somehow dodge this cold weather thing, but I don't actually really <laughs> like your chances. So no.
1: <laughs> Yeah. It's not looking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: but Grayson, best of luck with all of it. And again, the the planners drop November 1st. Yep. And people should go where to buy these?
1: Graysongrayson.com.
0: Graysongrayson.com. Cool. And we think they're going to sell out, so hurry up on the first and this 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 (laughs) will conversation will be out here in time and so
1: perfect yeah
0: well listen best of luck with all of it thank you talk to you again soon sounds good well that's it for this edition of off the couch i want to say thanks to grayson for the conversation thanks to the strikingly handsome justin bob for producing this episode and from all of us here in gunnison and crested butte colorado Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please keep moving forward. We will talk to you again real soon.